awesome. That's awesome. Well, good morning, Hume Lake. How are we doing this morning? Are we awake? Let's go. Let's go. Man, I'm so stoked to be with you guys this week. My name is Matt Berg. I am from California, IA, uh, from California. Flew all the way out here to come hang out with you guys, and I could not be more excited. I'm not here alone. My family is with me. So my beautiful wife back there, her name is Grace. Everyone say, hi, Grace. She's awesome. She's way better than I am, uh, but I married up. Praise God. Uh, and then we have our two daughters, Selah. Everyone say, hi, Selah. She's waving hi. That is our oldest. She is three. And then we have our youngest, Sunday, who's here. Everyone say, hi, Sunday. Sunday. Those are my crew next to, to God. They're the reason why I get to do what I do. So I'm so stoked that they're here with us. And we're going to be hanging out all week with you guys, getting to hang out. And, and we're here for you guys. This week, we, we have, me and my family have vacation planned after this week. This is not vacation for us. This week. This week, we want to include you and our family. Come hang out with us. Come find us on the lawn. Come find us on the pool. Come hang out with us at meals. We want to get to know you guys. It's not an inconvenience. Oh, we might ruin Matt's family time. You are our family time. So come be a part of it. Unless you're like knocking on my door, waking up my kids' naps, and then you're done. You're out of camp. That's, that'll get you sent home. Uh, just kidding. But come join us. Come hang out with us. We're so stoked to be with you guys as we get to dive into this theme of what is truth. What is truth? And so many of you up here, even when we look at, at the, the opener, how each one holding this ball of light, chasing it around, representing what they hold to be true. And I would contend that each one of us came up this week with some sort of understanding or assumption about what is true for you. And this week, uh, even as the opener started, we're going to put on trial, we are going to make a case that there is one truth that was even just talked about in the video, God being truth in and of himself. And this is a truth that when I came to this conclusion, it radically changed my life. It is a truth that isn't this abstract, far off, unknowable truth, but is a truth that has the ability to change your life, to give hope and hope eternal, this truth that communicates that God sees you, knows you, and loves you more than I could ever express, more than your counselors or youth pastors could ever communicate. So I'm so excited to dive in. Are you guys ready? All right, open your Bibles. Let's go, row one. Open your Bibles to John chapter one. So this week, we're going to be in the book of John all week. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. For those of you who are unfamiliar or new to the things of the Bible, uh, John was a disciple of God, meaning a disciple of Jesus when Jesus walked the earth. And John was called the one whom Jesus loved. And he writes an incredible letter in this Bible to walk through exactly who Jesus says he is, exactly what truth is. And again, it was even brought, brought to our attention last night as Maddie articulated, man, there has to be something solid when it comes to truth. And we have those phrases, I hear them all the time, I see them in memes, I see them on Instagram, man, live your truth. Or man, your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth, but what if my truth says that yours is a lie? Who is true? And John, in this letter, is trying to get across that there is a solid truth, a solid answer. And I think about the past two years. 
where truth has just come under fire. I've seen it, you've seen it. Think of COVID. It's like, man, does it grow on surfaces? Does it not grow on surfaces? Like, is it airborne? Is it not airborne? Can my dog get it? Can my cow get it? What happens if I go to the zoo? If I touch a lion, lion's done. You know, like what exactly? And it just changed every single day. And we just saw truth go in and out of relevance as so many of us were just trying to figure out, gosh, what, what is going on? And we see that even on an exponentially more intense level in our lives. Man, is truth, if I just attain all this material wealth, then I'll be happy. Is truth, man, if I look this way, then I'll be accepted. Is my truth, if I perform this way, then I'll get what I want. What is truth? How many of you have like one of those like Oculus, like virtual reality systems? Some of you, any of you? That junk is crazy. That is insane. I don't have one because I'll get addicted to it, but it's just this process of you take these goggles and you put them on your eyes and all of a sudden your reality completely changes. You go from like sitting in your room like by yourself to all of a sudden you could be on a planet, you could be in the wilderness, and it just transports you to a different dimension. But what happens if you take those goggles off? You're right back in your room. You're right back in reality. And in process of study for this, I'm like, I mean, I wonder what the actual Webster's definition of truth is. And it, it says this, that which is true or in accordance with reality. Reality being that it is substantial. Reality being that it doesn't change. Reality being that when you take the blinders off, you're able to see, taste, touch what is in front of you. It's substantial. It doesn't change. It is consistent. It is constant. That is truth. There is a foundation. There's a building block on which truth comes, and we see that in the book of John as we get to find out who is truth. So we looked at John 18, so turn to John 18 really quick for me. We're going to be in John chapter 1 for the most of this, but as we start, I want to go back to what Maddie said last night as she beautifully articulated this text. In verse 37, of John chapter 18. It says, therefore, Pilate. Pilate isn't a guy who flew a plane. Pilate is a guy who ruled over the province of Jerusalem in this time. Pilate being a Roman leader is interviewing Jesus as Jesus is on his way to the cross. And all these people are yelling at Pilate, Pilate, crucify Jesus, kill him. And we're gonna get into that as to why they would want that later this week. But this is the scene. In verse 37, therefore Pilate said to him, so you are a king, he asked this of Jesus. And Jesus answered, you say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born and for this I have come in to the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? Pilate asking one of the most important questions that all of humanity could ask, and it is the question we are asking this week, what is truth? And I think of even Pilate's situation, Pilate being uh, a Roman leader, and he has his supervisor, Caesar, who proclaims himself to be God, and Pilate sees Caesar just screwing up his life left and right, going, that can't be God. Romans at the time have so many of these little g idol deity gods that they're proclaiming to be true. And Pilate finally face to face with Jesus, and Jesus saying, what you say is true, that I am 
truth and Pilate going, man, what could, it, what could truth possibly be in this world that is ever changing? And that is the exact question we are going to ask this week. So turn back to John chapter one as we start in the beginning. I'm gonna read John chapter one, verses one through five, and then I'm gonna pray. It says this, in the beginning was the word, and the word was, uh, and word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him came nothing into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend it. This is God's word. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, God, you're good. You're awesome. You're glorious, God. Jesus, I'm just so thankful for this week that we have an opportunity to walk through what is truth. Truth be told, may we speak it this week. God, I just pray, God, for each one of us who might have come this week, just that was displayed in the opener, holding tightly to what we've believed to be true, but God, I pray that when we get to Saturday, as we drive home, God, the case would be made that you would speak that you are truth and truth alone, God, abundant truth, substantial reality. In you we find consistent, we find constant. God, I just pray that we would even this week put off distraction. God, may we be fully present to what you have for us. May you focus our minds, our hearts, our emotions on you. God, I pray against anything that... Our flesh lies and the devil would just love to come and get away, have our way. God, I just pray, Lord, that we would have fun, that we'd have an awesome week, a week of memories and marked moments. God, I just pray as I speak, God, may you just fill me with your Holy Spirit. God, may I treat your word with the honor and reverence it so deserves. God, we love you so much. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So if you remember from the opener, which was awesome, nice little dance number, it was legit, like they had all these people holding orbs representing truth, but in the process, what happened? It's like, okay, for us to understand this kind of cosmic tug of war between what is true and what is not true, we got to rewind and go back to the beginning. And that is exactly what John does to start his letter in your Bible. First, it's like for us to understand what truth is, for us to understand what is reality, we need to go back to the beginning when what you see and what I see was breathed into being. So we see this in John 1.1. What does it say? In the beginning was the what? The word. In the beginning was the word. Now, it's not like word as in, dude, word. It's a person. Uh, a W, capital, capital W, like, like a name, that this was a substantial person in the beginning with God. But what's so fascinating is John uses the same sentence to start his gospel with the very same sentence that is found in Genesis 1, chapter 1. Page 1 of your Bible, first words. It says what? In the beginning, God, right? In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John doesn't want us to get it twisted about who Jesus is and about what reality is. He goes back to the beginning, the first words ever penned in human history, 
that in the beginning, God. And I want to nerd out with you guys for a second. You guys good with that? You want to buckle up and nerd out with me? All you nerds in the building, let's go. Praise God. So I love words. I love semantics. I love reading because I'm just a boring person. Just kidding. Go reading. But in this word, in Genesis, in the beginning, God, the word for God is a word Elohim. Now, there's lots of different words for God, Jehovah, uh, Yahweh, but in Genesis chapter 1, we see the author Moses use the word Elohim, and he uses a specific word of Elohim, meaning it's a plural sense of God. That in the beginning, God was in community with the word in John 1.1, being that of Jesus, making this claim that from the beginning, Jesus is God creating all things into being. This is why we care about who Jesus is. Jesus himself before Pilate claiming himself to be true is him thus calling back from the entire creation of humanity that God is indeed the source of truth. And what does this represent? What does Jesus represent in God? What does Jesus represent about who God is in Genesis 1-1 and John 1-1 as we just watched in the video that he is creator? That out of the very breath of God, stars were placed in the sky. That out of the very word of God, plants rose up. Everything you see, you walk out these doors, you see the lake, you see the trees, you feel the breath in your lungs, you see the birds, you see the goose poop all over the lawn. It's insane out there, be careful. All of that, maybe not the poop, that's different. All of that created, sustained, spoken by the God of the universe. Every hair on your head strategically and intentionally orchestrated. You are not an accident. What does the creation explain? What does the creation put on display the truth of who God is? That you were not here on accident. That you were placed on this planet on purpose and for a purpose. Some truths, I shall say unrealities, would communicate that you are here by chance. That something, a bang happened and then boom, you. (laughs) Or that you just morphed out of something. That because of that, it was you have to find what indeed fulfills. But God in the beginning in Genesis 1-1 in John chapter 1 is trying to communicate that you were made on purpose and for a purpose. That we not only have an almighty creator, sustainer, author of life, we have an intentional, relational, loving God. That you were made on purpose and for a purpose. That you being here this week is no accident, that us discussing truth be told what is true, that God has each and every one of you in these seats this July for an intentional reason, and that reason is so that you might get to know him. In Isaiah 40, verse 12, attests to who God is. It says, who's measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Or with the breath of his hand marked out the heavens? And who has held the dust of the earth in a basket? Or weighed the mountains on scales and hills in the balance? God holding all of creation in the palm of his hand. Holding you. And I love how that video started. It's a quote by a guy named A.W. Tozer. 
who says what you think about God is the most important thing about you. Why? Because that is how you will live your life. If you believe that God is not true and you are the arbiter, the banner holder of what truth is, you're just gonna live your life however you see fit. I'm gonna promise you something. It will be found counterfeit. I grew up in a Christian home. My parents loved Jesus. Raleigh and Elaine Burke, saints for the kingdom, MVPs, most valuable parents. Like, they're awesome. But me, naturally, grew up just to be a rebellious, crazy snot-nosed, insane child. (laughs) See, I I grew up, oh, well, it's my parents' faith. They believe that to be true, but I'm going to chase after everything that the world is saying will give true life. I chased after athletics. I poured my heart and soul into pursuing a basketball career. You can look at me and tell me that's not going to go very far. (laughs) 5'9", I can maybe touch the bottom of the net, right? Not true. Matt's going nowhere, (laughs) But not only that, I I put my hope in relationships. In high school, I started pursuing all kinds of relationships and was constantly found empty, depleted, nothing that that offered or I could offer ever fulfilled. I was always searching for the next. My reputation, trying to have as many friends popular, this is when like Facebook, archaic, I'm like dating myself, right? Like trying to be like everyone's top favorite five friend. Trying to develop a reputation, and then that crumbled. And I remember at the end of my senior year of high school, I had nothing. Friends that I had who I thought my friends left. Uh, A a reputation that I thought I had built up, shattered. A pursuit of athletics, gone. And I was left with one thing, God himself, coming alongside me going, Matt, are you done chasing after counterfeit truths? Some of you might have came up here this week and you're exhausted. And what I mean by exhausted is you have tried to grasp at straws, looking at every other possible avenue for fulfillment, every possible avenue for truth, every other possible direction for what purpose in life means, and God is right next to you that entire time going, what about me? Have you tried believing and giving all you have in me because I'm right with you? I'm not a God who simply created and walked away. I'm a God who's with you all the time, God being the author of truth from the very beginning. And as we continue discovering about who God is, that he's this all-powerful creator God with the breath of his life, puts stars in the sky, walks with his creation, we see another descriptor in John chapter 1, verse 5 and 6 about God in Christ. Verse 4, in him was life, And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend it. That God himself is light. Jesus himself proclaiming to be God is light. And we see John continuing with this theme of going back to the beginning of time. Because in Genesis chapter 1 verses 3 through 4, what is the first thing God speaks into being? Light. God shows up to the scene, proclaims himself as God in the beginning from eternity's past. No one ever created God. God in himself has always existed and he presents himself to creation and then creates light. And John is arguing, putting on trial that Jesus himself is light with God. He shines through, nothing can contain him. 
tame him or erode him. I think of this process when you guys have kids, which is a long way off from now, but when I had my two daughters, I just did this like two weeks ago. My girls cannot sleep through the night unless it is like pitch black in the room, which I'm like, amen. And so I was blacking out their, their windows in their room with aluminum foil, which is like super sketchy, but we're like putting this aluminum foil in the window and dude, no matter how hard I tried, and I was in there for so long, <laughs> with aluminum foil looking dumb, trying to keep light from entering the room. And no matter how hard I tried, no matter what I did, there was always like this little beam of light. I was like, you know what? We're just gonna break down this window and build a wall. I'm done. But it's this process that light pierces through the darkness that nothing can contain it. And it reveals things. Like I think of my time just driving here this week. It's like 1.40 at night. Jason Andrews is driving us to camp. We had just gotten in. It's 1.40 in the morning and we're driving. And I've never been to Massachusetts before, but I guess moose are a thing somewhere here. And we're driving and it is pitch black. And I was like, I, I trust that Jason is not going to like axe murder us in the middle of the road, right? And then all of a sudden we're driving and then the headlights hit this giant shadow that is in front of us and it's a giant moose. The biggest moose I've ever seen because it's the only moose I've ever seen. Like in the middle of the road. And if we had not had light, that moose would have killed us. I'm pretty sure the moose car moose wins. Those antlers dead. Like, and in this process, light shining through the darkness, illuminating the reality of what is in front of me, this gargantuan moose that's awesome. And in the process, Jesus himself, John in 1-1 is proclaiming that Jesus is the light that is going to illuminate all of that, that which is reality to you and to me. Thus arguing everything apart from Jesus is unreality. Everything outside of who Jesus is, everything outside of God is indeed counterfeit. So what else do we see about God to be true in verse six? It says this, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light. Just give some context. John, referring to a guy named John the Baptist. John the Baptist was like the hipster before hipsters. He was eating locusts and honey before it was cool. Like he was out in the wilderness baptizing people in the Jordan River, baptizing people and his whole role John the Baptist's entire life, his mission was to proclaim that Jesus was coming. That was John's MO. That was his job. So continue on in verse 7. He came as a witness to testify about that light so that all might believe through him. He, being John the Baptist, was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. Again, capital L, a person, a name. There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world and world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and those were, who were his own did not receive him. But as many who did receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Even those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man, but of God. Those last few words, 
But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to be children of God. Not only is God this almighty, all-powerful, all-creating, spoke stars, plants, you, me into being by his very breath. Not only does he hold the expanse of waters in his hand and mountains on the tip of his finger, he is a God who passionately loves you. He is an adopting God. He is relational. Again, he's not this, to use an analogy of a clockmaker, right? A clockmaker makes a clock and then it just runs, steps away, and he never touches it again. That's not the creator God we see. That's not the true God we see in the text. He is a God who creates and then enters in. He's a God who establishes, who speaks life, and then enters into that life. Even if we don't feel him, he is there. Even if you came up this week going, Matt, if God really is truth, where has he been? According to what is true, even despite how I feel, the truth remains that God is yet standing right with you, suffering alongside you. He's not a God who watches you suffer passively. He watches you in the midst of your pain, empathetically with you in that moment. He's not a far off God. He's a God full of love, desiring to adopt those who would believe in his name. So we discover that God is full deserving of glory, of awe, of worship, of adoration, of praise, He is worthy of everything and is greater than we could ever imagine. He's not an authoritative dictator. He's not an abusive individual. He is a God who passionately loves you. But he is also a God of grace and truth. Just gonna be really honest about truth here for a second. Truth can be exposing, can it not? I don't know if any of you have ever lied before. You don't have to admit that. Shame on, just kidding. But I, I, I remember when I was a kid, I got, like my, I got really mad, as kids do. I think like my mom took like NBA 2K away. It's a video game, which I'll dominate anyone here on. Just kidding. Uh, but I just remember my mom took it away, and just I got so mad. I was like 11 years old, and I just like go in my room and just totally Chuck Norris kicked a hole in my wall. It's like, which also accomplishes nothing. <laughs> no 2K still. But I was like, shoot. What do I do in this moment? So the natural thing I did is I went to my cereal cupboard in my house. I pulled out a box uh, of uh, Frosted Flakes, cut out a square cardboard size out out of the cardboard, and I began to take plaster and plaster this piece of cardboard, which had Tony the Tiger just staring at you like, they're great. You're like, no, Tony, it's not great. There's a hole in my wall. And I'm beginning to like plaster over as Tony's staring at me, and then my mom just like walks in my room and there I am like, hi. Like 10 year old me trying not to die in this moment. And she's like, are you plasting Tony the tiger on the wall? I'm like, no, he was just, he was there already. He was just in my wall. We're just, he's just here. You know, like in this, it was so embarrassing. Like I couldn't lie about it. I couldn't avoid it. I couldn't be like, no, that's actually like the guy from the Fruit Loop box. Like I couldn't even make up a lie. The thing about truth is that it is exposing because it brings to light in our lives untruths or unrealities that we have held to, that we have chased down, and it's difficult. 
Think of like the process, like if I were to just wake up in the morning and walk outside without like checking myself first in the mirror, thinking I look good, I'd be massively distressed. When I'm like, Matt looks like he just got hit by a bus. Right? I look in the mirror first, right, to see the truth of what's going on. Okay, I should probably brush my teeth. That's nasty, right? Sometimes truth is revealing and can be exposing and even maybe a little bit embarrassing as we see in verse 16 and 17 that for this fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was fulfilled, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. Not only is God a God of grace, not only does he show us areas of our life, and thank God he shows them to us, of areas where we're not following him, he meets us with what? Grace. That he doesn't look at untruths that we've been chasing after, looking at you going, how dare you? He doesn't look at unrealities and untruths that we've been chasing and go, how could you? He doesn't look at you this week and go, man, you've spent your whole life chasing after that? What's wrong with you? Those are not the words of God. Look at me. If those are words you hear and you think they're from God, it's a lie from the pit of hell. Jesus looks at you and goes, I see what you're chasing. And I'm going to expose it, not out of shame, but because I love you so much that I want to offer what real life is. I'm gonna meet you in grace. Grace being undeserved favor. That you and I, in the eyes of this God that we have just described, have done nothing to earn his love. We've done nothing to earn his favor. And yet, he meets us and goes, let me show you those areas of your life where you are following unrealities. Let me replace them with what is true and substantial and fulfilling. And I wanna adopt you as a son and as a daughter. Not in shame, but in love. Not in guilt, but in forgiveness. Anything else that communicates God is this dictator promoting shame and hate. It's a lie. That God in this moment meets you to show you those areas. He loves you enough to show you areas of your life that are robbing you of joy. And replace him. Replace that with what is true. He is a God of truth, yes, and that can be exposing. But he meets us in that exposing with grace. Jesus putting that on full display. And so we see again that he is truth, that he is God. And I love how in John chapter one, it calls Jesus the word. I think of how we're even, how I am even communicating with you this morning through what? Words. God being the, Jesus being the utmost communicative piece of who God is, that everything out of Jesus' mouth, therefore, is a direct representation, true articulation of who God is. And we see this in Isaiah 45, verse 14, speaking about God. It says, I have not spoken in secret from somewhere in a land of darkness. I, the Lord, speak the truth and declare what is right. I think one of my favorite like one of my favorite tests in high school, maybe you guys can agree, were open book tests. That, thank you. Those are a thing created by God. Open book tests. Because what you, you get to like that word problems, like Sally went to this place in 45 minutes and then she bought like five apples and it's like word problems are of the devil. Amen. Preach, right? But in this process, I love open book tests because I can go to the source of the answer and go, sweet. Sally didn't buy any apples or whatever the the answer is. Why do I love it? Because I can go straight to the word of truth to get that which is substantial for the right answer. 
God himself revealing himself fully, but so often I don't even go to him. I remember when I was in fourth grade, all those years ago, in fourth grade and we had a spelling test. I'm the worst speller on planet Earth. Don't ask me to write on a whiteboard. It's exposing, truth, grace, embarrassing. But I remember in fourth grade, I'm sitting there, my teacher, Mr. Rabinowitz, which is a tongue twister and a name, I'm sitting there like doing my spelling test and I had my spelling book wide open. This is how like lights on, no one's home I was. I had no idea my spelling book was wide open in front of me. And Lauren Davis, God bless her soul, sitting right next to me, raises her hand and goes, Mr. Rabinowitz, Matt's spelling book is open. And everyone's like, oh, Matt's a cheater, right? And I'm there I am like doodling on like a cartoon volcano like in my spelling book. And Mr. Rabinowitz is like, Matt, come up here. I was like, oh, no, I, I swear I wasn't cheating. And I go up and I give him my spelling test, and he looks it over. And I don't know whether to be, like, super stoked about this or, like, ah, that sucks. He goes, Matt wasn't cheating. And then I go and sit down. <laughs> right? I was like, sick. Right? So everyone's like, sweet, Matt. Matt can't spell. Right? And so, but I remember I had, it would have been cheating. Maybe this is a bad analogy. Like, I had the source of truth right in front of me to what the right answer is, and I didn't even see it. God himself proclaiming in Jesus the source of all truth, the light shining through the darkness, the very substance of reality stands directly in front of us proclaiming that he is true. Jesus himself, and we'll get to this text later this week, himself proclaims that he is the way the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. We're gonna get to this again later in this week that we can so often view that phrase of Jesus as rather narrow or uninclusive, but the thing for truth to be truth, it has to be unchanging, unsubstantial, and there can't be anything else. That truth has to be solid. God makes the claim that he is the source of truth. And again, I, I'm not quite sure what you guys came up with. But even, even before this chapel, I had a chance to, to talk to Maddie there at the coffee shop and just asking, man, what is it like to live in Massachusetts? She's like, one, it's awesome. But she's like, that's tough, live in Fresno. Uh, but one thing about you guys living here in this area, whether it be on the East Coast or Massachusetts, man, if you're gonna stand for truth, you gotta stand for truth. You have everything but the kitchen sink being thrown at you, saying this is true and that's true, pursue this, pursue that. It's hard being a a believer in Jesus on this side of the United States, I commend you. And for us to follow and be diligent and be persevering, we have to have a solid foundation on which to stand on. And this week, my challenge to you is be fully present. Be fully engaged and be honest. Just like was said in the video, what are things you brought up? What are things you're holding on to? What is a, a, a not firm foundation you walked placing your hope in, your life in, your dreams in? That wasn't God. What are those things? And be honest. Don't waste your time. Don't come up here for six days and just give the right answers that your counselors might be looking for. Where are you at? Where are you at? Because you're not going to be met in how dare you. You're going to be met in grace. But you're also going to be met in truth. Why? Because God wants more for you. He wants abundant life. He wants to shine light on the areas of your life that you came up grasping at straws with. 
I contend to you this week as we get to go on this most incredible journey through the entire book of John and look at what is true. My first question before we start, we have to be honest and let the Holy Spirit, let God himself do some heart surgery on us. My prayer maybe this morning is that you spend some time. What is true for you? What have you spent your life pursuing? What do you spend your time investing in? What do you spend your time chasing after that so often, every day, any day, comes back counterfeit, robbing you of life? And watch God meet you in that moment, amen? I'm so stoked to do this week with you, to dive in. You guys ready? All right, let me pray, let me pray. Heavenly Father, God, you're good. God, you're awesome. God, I just thank you for who you are, that you are grace and truth, that you are creator, that no one in this room, God, no one on this planet is here by accident. God, that you spoke all things into being. God, and you're not a God who created and walked away. You're a God who created and intimately entered into your creation, God. Father, I just pray for each student. God, for myself. God, that I'd be honest, that we'd be honest. God, and your disciple in John wrote that you are light. Father, I pray that your light would illuminate those areas of our life that we came up carrying. God, the counterfeit truths that we've been chasing after that hold no weight, no substance, change as the wind blows. God, I pray that you would meet us in that moment, God, with your truth. God, but also may we feel the warm embrace of your grace. God, we give you this time, and all God's people said, amen. Well, my friends, don't stand up quite yet. I love the challenge that Matt has given you guys 